We're in Genesis 27, and we'll be talking about uh, what Jacob uh, is deceived. Uh, Jacob deceives his father Isaac uh, and his brother Esau here. But a little context, if, if we could, about what's really going on. You know, in chapter 25 uh, earlier, it says the boys grew up. Uh, and you've already studied this, I'm sure. Uh, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So what is, you look at Jacob and you got to go, what's Jacob's like? What's, what, what phrase comes to your mind? Mama's boy. <laughs> right? Mama's boy. You know, Esau, the hunter, right? The, and he's out there and he's full of life. And Esau likes to stay amongst the tents. But that's not where the men were, probably. You know what I mean? It's, and you know, uh, sometimes this is politically incorrect, but sometimes if you're a father and you have a son and you want him to be a great sportsman, he says, Dad, I want to be a dancer. That may be just a shock to a system. Does that make sense? And I hope you're. I'm not I'm probably way politically incorrect. But it doesn't really matter, you know. I'm, I'm over 70 now. You can do that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 so, and so there's this, there's this tension, you know. We, we go further on, you know, in Genesis 25. Uh, once when Jacob was cooking stew. And again, perhaps another sign of, of uh, you know what I'm saying? Of the... <laughs> mostly at home and so but he took he took his suit and Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted and Esau said to Jacob let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted therefore his name was called Edom Jacob said tell me your birthright now Esau said I'm about to die uh, what use is my birthright to me uh, Jacob said swear to me and so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. He ate and drank and rose and went away. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And again, a crazy story, right? The huntsman, the man's man, uh, comes in. I'm about, about to have this cup of soup. I'm going to die. Oh, really? <laughs> really? You know, and, and, he, and he does that, you know, and... And uh, it's, a, it's a horrible scene. So, the, so, so after chapter 25, there's a side chapter in chapter 26 where Isaac is with his wife, Rebecca, and uh, he's, with, uh, he's in part of, of, of the area where King Abimelech, who was the king of a, one of the areas there, uh, sees uh, Rebecca. She's good looking. And so, and so Isaac says, says tell, tell everybody you're my sister. You know, and, 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 and she does. And Abimelech takes Rebecca into his uh, harem in some sense. And, and you kind of go, well, I mean, what, where in the world will Isaac learn to do something like that? <laughs> and of course, we know where he learned to do something like that. You know, we know his father was Abraham. And twice Abraham did exactly that with, with Sarah, you know. Uh, and, and it's a little lesson there, a little side lesson about, about you know, Abraham, Abraham did not teach his son from his own mistakes. He did, not, he did not make it clear that his doing such things was not the right thing to do. That's not the right way to treat your wife. No. That, that's pretty obvious. In fact, Abraham twice asked Sarah to say she was his sister to protect himself, not her. And Abraham will defend himself by saying, well, she really is my sister. She's my half-sister, which is weird as it is, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, so, and, Isaac, and Isaac, of course, married to Rebecca. 
but they're just cousins. They're not, they're not brother, half brother and, and, and sister. And, and, and sometimes, as fathers and mothers, we can do the same thing. We, we, we don't go back and make sure our children know that what we did was not the best thing. That, so that the sins of the fathers and the mothers are not passed on to the second and third generation. Things like, man, the way I spoke to your mother was harsh and destructive and, and, and angry. Son, don't act that way. You know, or, or, or the wife says, uh, son or, or daughter, the way I spoke to your father was not respectful. You know, da daughter, don't be disrespectful. You know, uh, the, the way I didn't observe the law of speeding uh, or, or some minor offense, uh, the way I treated the neighbors, the way I spoke about somebody in the church or some leader, uh, either in the church or in government, that treated him in a dishonoring way. Son, daughter, don't be that way. We, gotta, we, gotta, we, we all make mistakes, but are we teaching our kids not to make the same mistakes that we made? Because Abraham, Abraham did not on certain occasions. Taught him a lot of good things, but he didn't go back and actually use he, even his mistakes as a teaching tool. Mm, the great thing about disciples is even when we mess up and, and, uh, and with, with, our, with our families, there are no perfect parents. There's no perfect functional family. We all have a slightly dysfunctional family, but yet we can teach our kids the value of repentance, which is unbelievably helpful in raising a family. Because if we can't teach our kids to repent, what are they going to be like? Well, that's a pretty important lesson to teach them. And so that's a little bit of background. But we're not that. We're not there. That's a little side lesson uh, that I gave in, in Sydney. several. <laughs> but now we're in chapter 27. So if you have a Bible, turn me to that section of Scripture. And let's read that together. <clears throat> when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see. He called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man, and I don't know the day of my death. Now then get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, so I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah, Isaac's wife, was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some of the game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. And then take it to your father to eat that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man. Why, I am smooth skinned. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and I would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and he got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. 
And then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skin. And then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. So he went to his father and said, to, and said, my father, yes, my son, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit, sit up and eat some of my game so you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, well, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Well, the Lord, your God, gave you success, he replied. And then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I may can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. And so Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so I may give you my blessing. And Jacob brought to him, brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him, and when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heavenly, heaven's dew and earth's riches an abundance of grain and new wine. May, nurse, may nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who blessed you be blessed. And after Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting well, it's, it's, close, it's a close call here, right? He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered. Your firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. And when Esau heard his father's word, words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, bless me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? And Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you and have made all his relatives, made all his, relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, do you, not, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. And his father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, you will serve your brothers, and when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. And Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And he said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, 
then I will kill my brother Jacob. And when Rebekah was told that her older son Esau had said, what he had said, she sent for her younger son and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban and Herod. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife among the women of this land from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. Amen. And we'll continue on next week with chapter 28 about that when Jacob heads to his brother Laban to really find out what a deceitful man is all about. Let's look if we could from this text, which is an exciting text, a well-known text. Uh, three points here if we could. First of all, first point is there are no heroes but God. I mean, we're looking at the patriarchs here, right? I mean, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob will be renamed Israel. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable. And you think, wow, these are the heroes of our faith. And, and yet we kind of go, well, the story is not exactly a heroic story. It's not a story of great honesty or courage. It's, it's about deception and, and, and brother against brother and, and wife against husband and fathers against sons. It's unbelievable. You kind of go, oh, my goodness. But we shouldn't be so shocked because the truth of the matter is the scriptures are very clear. There are no heroes but God. Amen. When we put our hope in men, we'll always be disappointed. If we put our hope in women, we'll always be disappointed. They're not God. God is God. And yet we do that all the time. We do that all the time. And we're always disappointed at some point. Yeah. We're always just disappointed. When Paul quotes in Romans 3.10 from, from, from Psalm 14, where he says, uh, The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind, all mankind, all of us, to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. You gotta go, whoa, that's a that's a lot of people. That's that's everybody. Yeah. That's everybody. The best of us is still a mess. There are no heroes as we think of heroes, as the text says. There that no, not even one. There are no perfect followers of God who always do the right thing. There's no leader who always does the right thing. Now, they, people need to be held accountable, and don't get me wrong, all that's all equally true. But our hope is not in them, it is in God. Yeah. And yet we constantly get disoriented towards God because some person messes with us. Yeah. And we've got to go back, let's learn from this lesson that the best of us is still a mess. And if we think we somehow are better, then we are even more of a mess. We see this illustrated in this chapter. You know, there's four characters in this chapter. You know what? You know what is what is Isaac like? Uh, well, he's to me, Isaac is, is always almost almost a passive figure. Remember when Isaac needs a wife? Uh, Abraham gets his servant and and says, "Go out and go back and find the right wife." And he's a great servant. And puts his hand under his thigh, whatever that means, and take, takes takes the oath. And 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 Isaac just says, "Sure, Dad." Figure it out, man. He's sitting around waiting, kind of a passive, kind of nice, kind of kind of kid. Uh, I, I guess 
he must be a little bit passive when he's, his dad says, let's go on a hike up this mount, mountain here, Mount Moriah, to offer a sacrifice, son. Here, carry this wood, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and why do I got to tie my hand, hands behind my head? Why are you tying my hands behind my head? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a passiveness in Isaac at that point. I, I'm not sure, you know. In the text, it says he's, he's guided more by his palate than by spiritual discernment. What, what, what is Isaac like? He likes tasty food. I mean, why does, why does he prefer Esau? Because he likes to be prepared tasty food. <laughs> you got to go, my, oh my goodness, he's got, he's got you know, uh, uh, his, his sensuality is more powerful than his theology. It, it, it'd be, it would be a habit, I think, that's passed on to his favorite son, who in fact sells his birthright. For a pot of lentil soup, red soup. That's why he's called Edom. And you're going to go, at least get a steak out of this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, soup is not when you go out to eat a special meal. You don't look for, let's give you a little soup and bread. That's, that's not, you know what I mean? You know, he's, and yet, 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 you know, he's, he's, he's controlled by his situation. Sensuality is not just about sex, it's about all of our senses, about our desires, our hunger, what our eyes and our ears want. Uh, the text says Isaac, who had a, a taste for a wild game, loved Esau, but Rachel loved Jacob. Uh, is that the reason he favored Esau? His appreciation of his palate would cause him to be easily deceived by Rachel. And in fact, if we are guided by our senses, our senses and our sensuality, we are easily tricked. We believe lies about I can do this and I'll have life. You know, easily tricked and fooled. If we run after these things like the world does, what we eat, what we drink, rather than seek first the kingdom, our life will be full of stress, Jesus says. Do not worry. The world runs after those things, but seek first God's kingdom. If you don't, you'll be deceived. You believe the lie out there that, boy, if I have these things, I'll be happy. And we've all believed that lie at times. And we bought that thing, and we were happy, and it didn't last. Sometimes it didn't even last to the time it took to you to drive to your, back to your driveway. We don't know if, if he's aware that Esau has sold his birthright to Jacob, but we know he was aware of what the Lord had said at, earlier at the birth of his two sons. <clears throat> in Genesis 25, when the boys were wrestling in Rebecca's womb, and she thought it was like, uh, alien in her stomach or something, you know. And 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 somebody says, no. The Lord said to her, and 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 Isaac would have known this. The two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. He knew that. He knew that. And yet, 27 in our, in our text, as he prophesies. Oh, which who he thinks is, is Esau. He says, many nations serve you. Peoples will bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. Wow. It seems like Isaac has decided to circumvent God's purposes. Which is kind of an interesting word. Circum what does circumvent mean? He's trying to get around God's plan. And get his own plan. Isaac's plan. That's what he really wants, not what God's plan willed. You know, it's, it's customary. It, it was customary from ancient times. Uh, it was uh, 
excuse me. It, it was customary for ancient times when 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 one knew when one knows when one knew they were about to die, because it happens many times in the Bible. Uh, you had a sense of I'm about to pass, and and you would say that, and you would say, okay, all the family would gather around, and then the the, the one passing would say his last words to those who are going to survive him, and we. This is still a practice in our, in our if, if we can, if our loved ones are about to pass, we try to, to make every effort to get there by their side at that passing. So that's, that's every culture in the world, we all do that. We understand how important that is. And those last words are, it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal to actually be there at those, at those times. But here he says, uh, he says, Isaac says, I don't know the day of my death. He's, he, he keeps it vague. Lest the family gather. Lest the family gather. If he really was dying, Jacob would be included there at that, at that, at that point. He seems, he seems intent on blessing Esau and give Jacob nothing. But we've got to ask ourselves, and I don't know all that's driving this, we'll talk more about this as we go on, but, but, but how what about our lives? Do we sometimes try to circumvent what God really wants us to be doing? Because we have a better plan in so many other ways. You know, there, what are some illustrations of this when we're tempted to do this? I, th I think sometimes when we don't get our way. And so, uh, you know, uh, we don't get our way and, 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 uh, and, and so we, we kind of cross our arms and, and, we, and, we, and we, we don't do what we can to make the other plan work. Does that make sense? It's called teamwork, right? We don't, nobody ever always gets their way. But what do you do once it's decided? What's the right thing to do? Well, to get on board, isn't it? Mm. But we're tempted to not do that, aren't we, in those kind of situations? Mm. We, 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 we know we're supposed to seek first the kingdom. But, think, but sometimes we think, well, I'm going to spend all my energy and, and my strength on my career right now, and later on, when I'm my father's age, I'll be able to be self-supporting, you know? Or even not my age, even younger than, than that, right? We, I, I heard it, I've heard it a, a thousand times. You know, I, I, know, I know I need to be more committed, but right now I gotta put my energies in my work, in my career, and then later on I'll be able to give God all this time. And, and, and how many times has that not worked out? All the time, because it's not, when it, seek first the kingdom does not mean seek first the kingdom later. <laughs> that's, that's not how my Bible reads. You know, it's seek first the kingdom now. Seek first above all priorities, whatever stage of life you find ourselves in. But we try to circumvent God's plan, what we think is a better plan for our lives. We think somehow. I, I know I'm not supposed to date non disciples. But I will change them. <laughs> they won't change me. Uh, but somehow, somehow we can get this girl or guy to be like us rather than us like them. And how many times have I seen it work just the opposite? Again, we're going to circumvent God's plans. It's, it's a big deal. God, God has. We're called to be disciples. That, that's the plan now. Take up the cross daily now, not later. Second point, what, well, what is Esau like? Well, uh, you know, he had sold his birthright, but, but again, in some sense, he breaks the deal. The text says he despised his birthright. You know, 
And, and uh, in Hebrews 12 actually repeats this in Hebrews 12, 6, 6, 16, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. <clears throat> for you know that afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. The text says he, he, he married two Hittite women and caused nothing but grief in chapter 26, verse 34. You know, that it, you know, we live in a day when people aren't doing take seriously being politically correct. And so as everybody tries to steer away from uh, jokes, you know, and there was, a, I was reading the story, uh, this is very common, you can kind of Google it about this, but, but there was, uh, John McCain was running with a senator, he had a, a, a general who, and he had kind of a, a Scandinavian or an Irish background, so he'd always say, well, there were, these, there were these two Irishmen, you know, Patty and Connor, who went into the pub one day. And John McCain said, General, you can't, we, we can't give those kind of ethnic kind of jokes anymore. He says, he says it's so, so don't, don't say that. He says, okay, there were these two Hittites. <laughs> <laughs> and, and apparently, you can, if, you can, if you Google it now, because we don't know any Hittites living anymore, okay? <laughs> And, there the, and, the, and this, the story was that the general says, there are these two Hittites named Patty and Connor who went into the pot. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was kind of funny because here in our text are what? These two Hittite women. And you know what the Hittite women are like, right? No. No, no. <laughs> we don't have a clue what they're like. But it doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> and my next wife would never be a Hittite woman for sure. I'm not going to have a next wife. I'm very content and happily married. We're going to have our 50th anniversary in December. We're excited about that. And we hope to be here in church with you at that point. You know, um, it says here he despised his birthright. And you know, the kind of interesting word about despised, you know, uh, the basic meaning for despised is to treat something as of little value. In other words, it's not just I hate it, but I, I, I treat it as of little value is the more common usage of that word. You know, and, and, and so we've got to ask ourselves, wow, how, how valuable do, do we really view our faith? You know, it's not just all, not hating it, but how valuable, how valuable to you is your faith in God and our following God? You know, I, I, do, do you compromise your faith for something like a cup of soup because you, have, because you just have to have it? Or are you going to die? I have to give it in something, some sensual thing. We, we exaggerate our need like, I'm, like Esau did. We exaggerate our needs, right? I won't be happy unless this happens. Seriously? Seriously? You know how valuable is your faith? Is it first and foremost? Or is it just one of the important things in your life? Like your family, like your possessions, like your career. And we cannot serve two masters. We only have one. You know, uh, and, and, and Esau, of course, is like that. Abraham, who went out of his way to make sure his son Isaac married the right kind of girl, uh, sends his servant on a long journey. Esau gives in to his immediate senses, and the whole family suffers from those Hittite wives. You know how Hittite wives are? We don't. But we understand the principle there, you know. He makes a mistake. It's not just a mistake. The whole family suffers from that mistake. 
And Christmas is never quite the same That's right. at that point. Then there's Rebecca. What is she like? Well, she's a lot more interesting than Isaac. <laughs> she's, she's quite a colorful person, you know. Uh, she is a schemer. I think it's her DNA that's passed on to Jacob. And he passes it on uh, down that line. She, she's the mastermind. That she chooses one son over the other may well reflect her issues with Isaac. Uh, they, they are not united parents. Her plans are so clever. She says, stay with me for a while until your brothers stay with. She says them to Laban and says, stay with him a while until your brother's fury subsides. It will be 20 years before he comes back. She will never see her son again. How smart is that? How smart is that? It seems so smart, right? She's so clever. She's so clever. I don't want to lose both my sons. Well, she, she does. Jacob's gone. She'll, he, she'll never see him alive. And you know Esau knew who was behind the whole thing. How do you think that went? <laughs> you know, you, you can imagine, right? The bitterness, the, the resentments, all those kind of things. And then there's Jacob. What is Jacob like? Well, he's easily swayed by his mother, first of all. He, he acts, but he seems reluctant. In 27, 14, he went and he took and brought them to us. Because he said, Mom, I'm, I'm, I'm really afraid, you know? Uh, you know. So it's their simple statements that show no enthusiasm. He went and got it and brought it. There's no, there's no zeal in that. He, he's worried that... His father will find out and not get the blessing. He'll, he'll, he'll be cursed. His mother says, don't worry about that, son. Just do what I say. And his act, will, as I said, will cost him 20 years of his life. He speaks, and then he realizes at some point that he's talked too much. Because his father says, well, it smells right, and it feels right, but the voice is different. And from that point, he only says two more, two, two more words. He figures out, i got to keep quiet. Is that really you? Yes, I am. I am. Two words at that point. You know, one of the worst things he says, of course, is the biggest lie is Isaac said to his son, how is it you found your game so quickly? He said, well, because the Lord, your God, granted me success. Wow. I mean, you're lying to your dad and you're bringing God into it. I mean, it's just, it, it, it ripes with stink. It's horrible. It's... Jacob, what in the world are you doing? You know, what goes round goes round, right? Karma's, karma's, a, karma's something, you know? You know I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you know, and uh, it won't be long. Years later, it'll be sons coming to Jacob and saying lies to him, deceiving him about the fate of Joseph and what happened to him in his life. What goes round? goes around. But there's also some subtle sins here in this text, if you ask me. They kind of cover both parents. It's, it says Isaac, who had a taste for a while, gave love to Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. That's a statement full of a messed up family. Yeah. Full of a messed up family. Are father and mother united, raising their two boys? Nope. Is, there's favoritism on both sides. It's going to produce dysfunction. Dysfunction. Mom and dad has got to be united. 
as we raise our children. We don't have favorites. And every family thinks the parents have favorites. My sisters think I was the, the favorite one. And they still to this day tell me that. And I think, get over it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what to say about it. I just, okay, whatever. You know, I, I, but, but, but we don't do that. But we don't do that. that. You know, Isaac calls Esau his son. Rachel calls Jacob. It, Isaac calls uh, Esau in verse 1, my son. And in verse 6, Rachel calls Jacob her son. Like they're not, they're, we're not connecting anymore as a family. You know, God made man in his own image, male and female. He created them. Husband and wife under God is the image of God. And what kind of image of God do they get? A distorted image because they're not united. What does this tell us? Well, when parents aren't united and show favoritism, all kind of trouble is brewing. You know, uh, there, there's a, there's a, the Bible is actually pretty strong, you know, uh, against culture in, in the sense that, that all Near Eastern culture was patriarchal, just, just about. And, and the father had all the, the, big, the big rights. And, but yet, at the same time, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we, we learn what, what God actually says. You know, honor your, of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. Right? You know that you may live long. Not just father. Uh, Exodus 21, anyone who attacks their, their father or mother is to be put to death. Proverbs 1, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's instructions. You know, uh, uh, Proverbs 6, 20, my son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. You know, it, God's really, it's a, in a culture where none of this happened, right? None of this was going on. It's so radical about, yes, that's the healthy way to raise children at that point. You know, uh, in verse 11 and 12, you know, Rebecca's scheme, you know, for, forced Jacob with a, a dilemma. Should he follow his mother's command or, or, or his father's will? We don't want to put our kids in that position. We speak as parents. You know, do kids try to divide parents sometimes with fathers against mothers? Not my children. They never would do that kind of stuff. <laughs> but we know that that happens. That, and, and of course, that right kind of parenting says, no, no, we are united at this point. You can hear in Jacob's reluctance and his mother's insistence that she, uh, uh, that he, uh, that she be obeyed this dilemma. And as I said before, when you, when you put Old Testament culture against the cultures of their time, it's radically different because it's from God. The scheming of Rebekah and Isaac circumventing God's plan will affect generations of God's people, and including us, when we begin to circumvent God's plan with our own plan, rather than say, no, we're going we're gonna to be, we're going to follow God's scripture no matter what, because the best of us is still a mess. Roman numeral two out of three points, and believe it or not, the next two are short. <laughs> Lest you panic here at this point. Second point, faith comes from hearing the word. Faith comes from hearing the word. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. You know, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's so important. You know what? I don't know what it is about church, but you know, I I, have, I read my Bible every day. I have a quiet time every day. I keep a notebook, and and I'm very consistent at that. I have not been perfect, but 
it's a big deal to me to be close to God. But and I have and I try to have great quiet times that move that move me. But but coming to church and hearing the word preached is a different phenomena that happens to me. That somehow I'm I'm listening a little bit more clearly. You know what I mean? There's something about hearing the word of God that's talked about here, and this is where our faith comes in understanding God. The rabbis taught, you know, don't trust your eyes because your eyes see everything upside down. Your brain actually takes an image and flips it. Uh, they said, trust your ears. Where is our sense of balance found? In our ears. They said, trust your ears to get good balance. Don't trust your eyes. You know, you go back to an old, we used to have these things called catalogs, these big old catalogs, and you would order things on these catalogs. And, and, and what they would have, they'd have a picture, and then they would have a lengthy description of that object. Right? Does it make, 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 make sense? The picture was generally small, the explanation was lengthy. But nowadays, the picture is huge and very little explanation because they found out that, that, that people, when, when, they make, when they make judgments with their eyes, they make emotional judgments. Oh. And when you, when you listen with your ears, you make the right, more balanced judgment. Amen. Now this is a big deal in our text because here, here Isaac will take, will, he'll, he'll trust his taste buds He'll trust his smell. Uh, and, the only, and he can't trust his eyesight. You can barely see, right? Okay. And, and the one thing he questions is what? You, you, you smell right. You taste right. You, but you sound wrong. <laughs> you sound wrong. And of course, Jacob says, oh, I'm talking too much. And doesn't say anything anymore at that, at that point. But it talks, it talks about, yeah, Isaac, you're, you're not listening. You're, you didn't listen when those boys were born, and you're not listening now. You know, you're not really listening. Big deal for us when it comes to God's Word, huh? How are you listening to God's Word and understanding how important it is? Because our faith comes from hearing God's Word. The person who says, I, I'm fine with God, I'm going to take, take, take a break from hearing God's Word or reading God's Word so I can be, you know, I'm just take, taking a break. No, you are reducing faith at that point. And we all know what happens at those points. We all know what begins to happen. It's a fatal spiritual flaw to be led by sensual things, not by what is heard. Faith comes from hearing God's word, not trusting other senses. You know, so many times they, you know, that person looks like they're living a disciple's life, but maybe, but, but is the word really their source? You know, I, I was talking to, uh, <clears throat> we were saying with this a guy from uh, Lebanon, and we, I was talking to uh, the leader of the, of the Lebanon section of our church, the Middies, Near East section, Mo, name is Mofit. And, and I was saying, and I, he, was, he was saying, because, you know, in the, in the Near East, everybody's religious, and they're, they're, there's kind of a Christian background people, and there's Muslim backgrounds. Even the Muslims are breaking into sects, and then there's Druids, and if, Druids, they're not Druids, they're uh, other groups as well. There are Druids in England. And uh, they'll be dancing around the, uh, next, next week at uh, Druids, uh, at, the, at the solar, at the winter, at the summer solstice, the Druids dance around Stonehenge. 
Okay, but that's a side point. We're not into any of that. <laughs> but, he, but he says, you know, he said, well, listen, I, you start with, with this guy. The guy had kind of a Christian background, and he, and he says, listen, you know, you know, would you study what the Word of God study, really dig down deep into that. Mm. If you don't get that settled, it's not going to work out. Because, because people don't really go by the Word of God. They go by how they feel about the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you got, so you, got to, you got to say, is this really the authority about who's a Christian and who's not and how to, how, how to live, or is it not? You've got to drill down there. I thought, yeah, that's probably, that's probably a good point. You know, that's probably a good point. Is the Word of God really our standard? No. Is it, are we going by feelings and how we, how we, how we feel? Wow. Uh, you know, what, when we live by sight, not by faith, what, what does it look like, you know? Uh, just the opposite. What are some signs that you are trusting your senses, not God's Word? Well, I think you use the word, I feel a lot. You know, I, well, I really feel. I really feel this. Well, well that's, that's great. Take, take, take an aspirin or something. You know, I, 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 you know, I, you, know I, you feel. That's, that's, that's an emotional concept. Mm. Uh, we, we're, 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 we're willing to trust how we feel rather than what God's Word says. And they seem like good Christians, even though there are obvious things they're not ignoring in God's Word, like how to be saved, or what purity really means, or what taking up the cross daily really looks like. But you got well, yeah, but I feel. Mm. No, the Word of God. Mm. Third and last point. Isaac says, he will be blessed, Esau. I can't undo this. And what is Esau doing at this point? Weeping, Weeping bitterly. Weeping bitterly. He said, I can't, I can't, Isaac finally resigns and says, I can't fight against God anymore. Esau cries out, and his, his cry is heard all the way to Hebrews 12, verse 16 and 17. And, and uh, uh, it, says, it says there, no one who is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. You know, afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Yet he can't undo what he has done. I think we do follow a God who gives us second chances. That's why we have a church service. Otherwise, this would be empty. Yeah. Got, we've all had second chances. Amen. Third chances, fourth chances. Amen. We can go down the list. We can all testify. Everybody in this room has had second chances. And thank, thank God for his grace. Amen. Thank God for his, his grace. But there's a danger in making mistakes that we have to live with that cannot be undone. This text teaches just that. I mean, the cry of Esau, this cry of regret, is the same cry of so many at Judgment Day. And in fact, Jesus, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, will make a point about this. And I don't have time to read all these passages, but there was a centurion who comes to Jesus, whose servant is sick. And, 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 uh, and, 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 and Jesus says, oh, okay, you know, he says, no, no, no. He, he, the centurion says, just, just say the word, Jesus. I, I don't deserve to have you come into my house. Just say the word. I'm a man under authority. I understand that. And Jesus says, my goodness gracious. You know, I'm, I'm in Israel, but I found no one in Israel who has this kind of guy's faith. Who says, he says, just say the word and I'll, and I'll do what it says. And then Jesus goes on and says, let me tell you. In, in the future, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. 
In the future, for those who don't believe, just say the word Jesus and I'll do it. That's us that he's talking about. There's Matthew 13, verse 40. It doesn't... Jesus tells the parable of the weeds, and, and apparently there's a there's a, you know here's a field, and they sow seeds, the, and uh, the enemy comes and he throws these uh, called they're called darnels, which is a plant that looks like wheat but produces a bitter seed. It, it resembles wheat as it as it's harvested. And the enemy comes and sows the darnel into the things, and the guy says, "What am I supposed to do? Go out and pull the pull the pull the, pull the, the weeds?" He says, no, you'll destroy the crop. So harvest it and then separate it. And he says, that's what's going to be like. So in this group here, he, he would say, there, we're, there's wheat and there's Dornells, right? Yeah. And, and, we, and we're not going to be, you know, we can't look at each other's hearts and know exactly what's going on. Uh, but, but, but there's going to be a separation. If we aren't, if we think we're getting away with being one thing on, on the surface and one thing in our hearts. Wow. We're not going to get away. Yeah. And if we wait till judgment to be exposed, it's too late. Yeah. The time to repent is now, not later. And this passage ends, of course, with the same way. And throw them into the fiery furnace, and that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping like Esau wept. There's, there's Matthew 13, 47. Where Jesus again says the kingdom is like a net. We catch all kind of fish. We catch all kind of people. But there will be a separation at some point. And again, and those fish, uh, in verse, uh, it, it says, and there will be at the end of age, angels will come down and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace. They'll be weeping and gnashing their teeth. Have you understood these things, Jesus said? And they said, yes. We're, we're trying to really hear. Then there's Matthew 22, 11. Where it says there, uh, he came in to look at the parable of the great banquet, uh, the wedding banquet, the great banquet's in Luke, and the wedding banquet's in Matthew. And, and people are invited, they give excuses, they come in, the master comes out and he sees one guy not properly dressed. He says, well, how, how'd you get in here? You know, and he says, oh, I, don't, I, just, I just came. And you haven't changed. You haven't changed your life. And, and, and the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him in the out of darkness. The place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Yeah. And again, chapter 25, 24, 45. Who's the faithful servant? A wise servant whose master sets him in. He gives another parable about the servant who's, who, who begins to abuse other people as if he's going to get away with it. But the master comes back, and again, they'll be in a He'll be thrown in the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then there's a parable of the talents where the master gives uh, one guy five, one guy two, and one guy one. And the one who had five doubled it, the one who had two doubled it, the one who had one buried it in his back garden, did nothing with it. He says, I, and the master comes and he says, what have you done? Uh, I buried it, I know you're a hard man and you want to reap what you haven't sowed. He said, I did so, but you didn't do anything. And again, again you know, it's, he's furious. And, and what happens to him? Again, he's cast out. Throw the worthless servant out. The place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. I, Esau cries because he can't undo what, is, what has happened. He's made decisions about his life. 
and what has happened in, the, in his life. Uh, uh, and, and what are the lessons for what are the lessons for us? Well, first of all, Jesus, just say the word. If I read it in the scriptures, I'm going to be obedient. Just I understand authority, and I understand I'm not the one in authority, but you are. We've got to understand not to be a stumbling block to anybody, which is one of those passages. We've got to understand that those who live a double life, one way here, another way outside, we have to change that. Not later, but now. We've got to faithfully be involved in the work of the kingdom, not putting it off and burying it in our back garden to get with it, deal with it later. We can be burying our faith. We've got to be investing in a lost world. There's nothing unfair about that. It's all self-inflicted. There, there is such self-confidence in all the above scenarios of people who thought they had it all figured out, mm. that they had circumvented God's will and were going to get away with it. And Jesus says, it's not going to end that way. Jesus wants to save everybody, but there is a judge for the one who hears my words and doesn't accept them. The very word that I say will judge him at the last day. But then it's too late. Now you may say, are you trying to scare us, Mike? No, Jesus is trying to scare you. Okay? I'm not, I'm not making these verses up. Uh, you know, he, he talked about hell more than anybody else in the whole Bible. And he's saying, this is serious business. I am a God of second chances. I want to save everybody. But we've got to respond the right way with the right heart. And if we don't, there is a consequence. Crying out will not work. Esau cried, and sometimes we think, well, and I, you know, I once I was, I was counseling this person, and the woman, and they both were, can you see how deeply we feel about this? And I said, your, your tears aren't a substitute for obedience to what God wants. And your tears at Judgment Day are not going to change your fate. That's childish. It's what children do with their parents. You say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Why are you still punishing me? Well, that's a childish response. There are consequences to our life. And God wants us to understand just that. Jesus says, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. So let us be blessed. Let us be blessed. Let us have ears to really hear, not to be ruled by our senses. And let's understand God's grace in our own lives. And not be like Esau, who missed the grace of God, but live lives here of gratitude and thankfulness to Jesus Christ. Amen.